0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Saturday School. This is our seventh semester, and we're talking about Asian American interracial cinema. And for this episode, we're actually going to pull one of our older episodes, because back in season two, which was about Asian Americans in love, we had talked about a little movie by Mirnair called Mississippi Masala which actually fits in perfectly in this season. I know
1: it was like too perfectly in the sense that we typically try not to reuse episodes from the past because I think part of what we would try to prove is that the canon of Asian American cinema is so deep that we don't have to repeat films, but this is the perfect film for this season. And even like revisiting our episode now, just how essential it is in this conversation about how might an Asian American film be a interracial film.
0: Yeah, I think I didn't love the idea of having to listen to ourselves again. <laughs> but as I was listening to it, the first part of it, just by nature of having to explain the film, we do touch upon similar things that we've been already talking about this season. And then we go into the hotness of the two characters, which is a little bit less relevant in this season, but still important to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think... <laughs> it's
1: it's relevant to, to movies, right? Like we love... Yeah. 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 Interracial cinema is still cinema.
0: Movies, like you always say, are a visual medium.
1: Yes. <laughs> and a very superficial one.
0: But I think in the context of 2020, because we recorded that one back in 2017, there are more things that we're thinking about. Right. I mean, Because I think a lot of the things we are thinking about
1: now is what is the role of an Asian-American filmmaker in telling black stories? And should Asian American filmmakers really be creating spaces for black storytellers to tell their own stories like what 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 is the role of an Asian American artist without just pretending like black stories aren't related to our experience and so here's a film that rather than like being stuck in this conundrum of like Asian American stories just need to make space for black stories like here's a film that ties Asian American and African American history together the indian character her family comes from uganda They're like an Indian family that was brought to Uganda as forced labor by the British colonists. And the comparison between that experience and the experience of forced migration of African slaves to the United States is sort of this interesting parallel that shows that our shared histories of experiencing hardship because of European imperialism or global capital, we need to talk about this. And how do we emotionally work through this shared experience And then romantically, how do we work through that shared experience? And that's not something I would have thought about in 2017. But just thinking a lot about, especially the role of colonialism, as a shared experience between Asian Americans and African Americans in the U.S.
0: Yeah, and um, I think what we're trying to find in this season are films that kind of challenge this very notion of is it an Asian American story or is it an African American story? The Mississippi Masala story, you could argue, is both, right?
1: It can be understood in different sorts of contexts and that's kind of what we're hoping to do today let's put this old episode in a new context yeah also in listening to this episode i make a comment about the evils of trump that is like in back in 2017 we thought that that was the worst that he was going to do it just it, i i just sound so innocent thinking that's as bad as it gets
0: <laughs> so we hope you enjoy our mississippi masala episode from 2017
1: <laughs> I'm Brian Hu. I'm Ada Singh. And welcome to Saturday School.
0: When your friends are watching Saturday morning cartoons, you're being forced to learn Asian American pop culture history. Welcome back to Saturday School. Today we have an extra special episode. Is this an extra special episode? I shouldn't say that. All of them
1: are special, but... This is one that I think we've been waiting for, or I have, <laughs> Okay. for years.
0: For those of you who have been listening this whole semester, you'll remember we talked about The Namesake. For this episode, we're going to talk about a second Mara Nair film, the 1991 film Mississippi Masala, starring Sarita Chodhari and Denzel Washington.
1: Denzel Washington.
0: That Denzel Washington. The one and only. Not another Denzel Washington.
1: 26 years ago. Denzel Washington.
0: And even though she's been in a lot of things, if anyone's watching Homeland right now, you might recognize Sarita. She plays Mira, who is Saul's wife. But this is her first film, because she was a film student when Mira and I found her and cast her. Mira and I had made a few films too, but I think this was soon after Salam Bombay, which had done pretty well in Cannes. Was it in Cannes?
1: Salam Bombay just kind of took over. It was nominated for an Oscar. It was this huge breakthrough for Indian cinema in the United States, for Mir Nair. So this was for follow-up.
0: This is Denzel in between his Oscar for Glory and his performance in Malcolm X, which would also get him another nomination for an Oscar. And I was looking at an interview with him and he talked about how he was a fan of Salam Bombay and that was one of the reasons he did the film because he wanted to work with Mir Nair. And if you look at old interviews with Mir Nair, she thinks he was attracted to this film because he doesn't get a chance to play an ordinary citizen like that in a simple love story. His big roles are probably these like legendary African-American characters in history. You know, Maybe we should go into what the movie is about. Do you want to set it up?
1: Sure. It's kind of a complicated setup that I think is one of the most brilliant setups in Asian-American cinema. It's about a Indian family born and raised in Uganda at a time when the British had brought in the Indians to Uganda to work on the railroads and also to act as a buffer between the black and the white British communities in Uganda. So they were kind of put in this precarious situation where they're like closer to whiteness, but they're also just being used as a wedge against the black people. And when Idi Amin takes over in Uganda, he expels all of the Indian people. Despite the fact that they could be Ugandan citizens. I mean, there are weird Trump overtones, to this whole thing. Watching it now, they say Africa is for the Africans, the black Africans. And Indians end up in Canada and in Britain. And in this case, this Indian family ends up in Mississippi. And there are all these jokes about how this Indian family is more African than the actual blacks living in Mississippi Amongst them is a family with a son, played by Denzel Washington, Demetrius. Uh, he's got his own cleaning business. He's on his way up, but he's always had this tie to his dad, who he wants to take care of. And one day, Mina, who is the daughter of Jay, the Indian patriarch from Uganda, meets Demetrius. And we as the audience immediately falls in love with the possibility that they can be in love. And we sense all the potential tensions between the Indian community and the black community in Mississippi. But at the same time, because of this backstory in Uganda that complicates this whole idea of black versus Indian, we understand that there could be this really important connection. And the film talks about that connection being between people of color should stick together. And they also talks about how there are maybe more commonalities than they might have expected to begin with.
0: You know how many people come to our motel? They look at us, they say, not another goddamn Indian. Makes me so mad.
1: Well, Ms. Masala, racism, or as they say nowadays, tradition, it's passed down like recipes. The trick
0: is you got to know what to eat and what to leave on your plate. Mm. Otherwise, you'll be mad forever. And you'll never eat. And (laughs) And you'll never eat, that's
1: right. So as my way to get to Denzel, this movie has like the two things that I detest most in Asian-American romances, and yet I didn't mind at all.
0: Uh, What are the two things?
1: One is the story of my parents won't let me date outside my race, which is so played out. You always wonder, is there a new way to tell the story? Because it's usually just the same gripes of like, you don't understand, I'm American. In this case, it's complicated by the fact that the dad is himself an immigrant from India to Uganda, so he understands what it means to be an outsider, and he knows what it means to like, not be able to have certain kinds of relationships.
0: He grew up with Africans. His whole community and his best friend were African, so in his case, it's almost like this love that got betrayed. It's a little bit different than the racism that the Indian-American community might Feel towards African Americans, a community that they probably don't interact with very much.
1: You know, once I was like both of you, I thought I could change the world, be different. But the world is not so quick to change. That's the kind of complication that we so often miss in Asian American romances that are about intergenerational conflict in such a black and white way. And this goes to show that things are personal and they carry a lot of baggage families are inherently complicated immigrant families are especially complicated and here's a film that honors that through its romance
0: you said there's two things what's the second thing the second
1: thing is romances where there's an asian woman who ditches a dorky asian guy to go with a non-asian person
0: (laughs) he wasn't dorky though was he
1: he was he wasn't he was the catch in the indian community
0: the guy that all the other girls wanted or at least all the mothers wanted to sit up with their daughters
1: and he suddenly for whatever reason was interested in mina and then mina runs into denzel and then it's like yeah get out of here
0: yeah well because it's denzel not (sighs) because
1: it's denzel (laughs) i know (laughs) and this is like the power of stardom and the power of a certain kind of screen charisma that i just i just let all of that baggage go immediately i'm like mina run to demetrius he's the one
0: it's like all the things you love about denzel washington but like way back in the day when he was just beginning to become denzel washington but you could still see even when he's playing this like small town guy who's just like the owner of his small carpet cleaning company He just smiles, and it's still the same Denzel Washington smile. And then he stands up for the girl, and it's like a small version of Denzel standing up for every single horrible thing in history that's ever happened.
1: Yeah. I see. So you think I ain't good enough for your daughter, is that it? No, that's not it. Mina is free to love anyone, to live as she chooses. I respect her freedom. But that does not absolve me of my responsibility as a father. Well... No disrespect to you, sir, but she's a grown woman, and we care for each other very much, and I think that's all there is to it. I don't want her to go through the same struggle as I did. Struggle? Look, I'm a black man, born and raised in Mississippi. Ain't a damn thing you can tell me about struggle. What do you know about my... No, I know. I know. I know you and your folks can come down here from God knows where and be about as black as the ace of spades, and as soon as you get here, you start acting white and treating us like we your doormats i know that you and your daughter ain't but a few shades from this right here that i know it's that like a little bit of stubborn but like i have my values and then but somehow that's gonna align with all that is right in this universe
0: so much dignity right like i feel like so much dignity and it's fun to see her too she carries it just as much as he does
1: she's clearly bearing a lot of things that she's not able to talk to her family about like why did she stay in mississippi why didn't she get out of town why didn't she pursue education And the fact that she clearly, like, has a lot of respect for her parents, that complication, as well as the idea, like, I will love who I want to love, all that is bound in this character, and it's quite a feat for a first-time actor. Yeah, and the
0: parents are great, too. They're
1: legends. Sadly, I know Roshan Seth, the father for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, (laughs) probably the most racist movie Hollywood's ever made. But I was looking to Sharmila Tagore, who herself was a legend of Bombay cinema. She was in Satyajit Ray's films. So the stars came out for this one, not just Denzel. And then at the time, Charles Dutton, who plays Tyrone, he was Rock on TV. Do you remember Rock? No. Oh, that was, that was my childhood right there. Rock was the title character of the great, short-lived sitcom Rock in the early 90s.
0: Collision of different talents from around the world.
1: I think the other thing that's worth talking about for Mississippi Masala, and you were mentioning before we started recording that Hari Kondabolu was on the Denzel podcast.
0: It's called Denzel Washington is the Greatest Actor of All Time, period, with W. Kamal Bell and Kevin Avery. And they do an episode on Mississippi Masala where they invite comedian Hari Kondabolu to talk about the film. And he talks about what a big deal it was for the Indian-American community at the time just because there weren't that many films that would feature an Indian family. But also the fact that it was, you know, an Indian family from Uganda and it was going to be like an interracial romance. I think the fact that, you know, she's going to be dating a black guy kind of intrigued and or scared (laughs) certain parents, (laughs) depending on...
1: Depending on how how racist they are.
0: (laughs) Depending on what it would have been like if their daughter decided to date a black guy. But also the fact that there's like a really well-done sex scene in it.
1: Shall we talk about the sex scene? Go for it. When I first watched this movie, I think I was in college, and what I remember being just kind of blown away by was how much Mir and I allowed the camera to linger all over their bodies as their skin, their limbs, their torsos were intertwined, reflecting on this idea of brownness, brown skin, and something about like an Indian body, who is constantly in the film referred to as too dark for an Indian person, just looking so... It's superficial, but so beautiful next to a a black body. And it makes that scene that much more erotic and tantalizing and just makes us want so much for them to be together.
0: Yeah, there's even a scene beforehand where um, they're on the phone and it could have led to phone sex, but they get interrupted, but they're both lying in bed. The setup of it is kind of not identical, but her shirt's kind of up a little bit. And then he's kind of the same way. Like, he's lying down and his shirt is up. But it's not in a, hey, look at my six-pack kind of way. It's just sort of like, he's thinking about her.
1: Yeah, and it makes them equals in the sexual encounter to come. And it's really really cute.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then he's wearing these short shorts. (laughs) It's like the 90s. So... Even though you think of Denzel Washington as this sex symbol now, and he's very good-looking in the film, obviously, but he always has his shirt tucked in into these, like, pants that are, like, riding really high. (laughs) So it's not, like, the most sexy outfit, even though I guess he pulls it off.
1: (laughs) But do you feel like this is a different kind of sexuality for Denzel Washington? I mean, I feel like usually he has such a virile sexuality, like a really hardened sexuality. This one, it felt soft to me. Soft, but no less, like, sexy.
0: Yeah and also when they when he kisses her for the first time he asks her he's like would it be okay if I kissed you and then they kissed and then he asks again he said would it be okay if I kiss you again it's so gentle
1: he acts like a high school like a boy in high school trying to get his first kiss
0: like so vulnerable Yeah, have
1: guess. A, like sexy vulnerable
0: I think I'm trying to hit him Are you? <sighs> yeah <laughs> I was reading Mira Nair's husband's family is from Uganda. Do you know
1: the story behind this? No. So Mira Nair met her husband while doing research on this film. And that developed into a romance. I had no idea. While they were making The Ultimate Romance.
0: Oh, that's so awesome.
1: Yeah, it is awesome. It's a great love story.
0: Saturday School is a proud member of Potluck a collective of podcasts that features stories and voices from the Asian American community. It's produced by me and Brian. Our logo is by Grace Talis Lee. Our theme song is courtesy of Rimsky music and premium beat. We have a tiny letter newsletter. You can sign up for to get lecture notes, tinyletter.com slash Saturday school podcast, or you can tweet us. I'm at Ada Singh, A D A T S E N G. Brian's at who's Brian H U S B R I A N. And the podcast Twitter handle is School. I'm uh, Mix Masala. Hot and spicy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mix <it's> Masala. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call you.